All righty, Creedcast review of the Port Adelaide match against the GWS Giants from Sunday night coming up right here, right now. And it was a win, so you know what that means. Hey, this is that Eastside Johnny Big Redemption Light. Long time about. Hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. Uh, a great win, one that's um, kind of a win that's starting to get a, starting to get a bit more used to this year, I think, over the last few weeks, um, whether it be um, St Kilda or Collingwood or a few of the other wins we've had lately. Um, Hawthorne, even a few weeks back now, um, it's a lot of wins that are having moments where we're seeing the very best of what um, we, we feel our side can do. Um, and then many moments as well uh, that, uh, you know, that, that are showing us the reasons that we've still got plenty of improvement to come. Um, but overall, a positive uh, GWS is certainly a side that, um, as I said in the uh, preview earlier in uh, last week, that, uh, that <laughs> you know, they're likening themselves to the Stephen Bradbury of this whole situation of the kerfuffle that's going on um, regarding all the teams that are trying to jostle their way inside the eight. And even it was halfway through this game that they had their position lost to Frio. And uh, so there was certainly plenty, plenty on the line for a a very talented uh, Greater Western Sydney team, regardless of their latter position. Uh, we've all known how good they've gotten a, a few years back and uh, a rocky road since then, but uh, still one that we knew was going to be a challenge and one that we um, had to rise up to. And particularly with everything that went on uh, leading into the game, uh, which we'll get into, uh, it was a great, great win um, in the end. And like I said, lots to look at, lots to um, lots to criticise in a, in, a, in a constructive way, but uh, plenty to love as well as we build ever so ever more closer to the finals and just edge a little bit closer to locking down the top four, but it's still it's still certainly up for grabs for um, one particular team behind us. So plenty to play for, but plenty uh, plenty to be happy about another big win for our club. So we might as well get into talking about it a little bit. So I guess the first thing really to talk about when uh, discussing this match is the, is the craziness of leading into it. It was already... Um, you know, I, I recorded the uh, preview on Thursday evening, um, local time here, Alberton Standard Time. And uh, at that point, we just had it finally confirmed that we were going to be playing at Metricon up on the Gold Coast, um, south uh, southeast Queensland. Um, so, you know, there was it would, took a while for us to get there. There was some minor frustrations around the place of how long it got took to get named there. But understandably, there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts at the moment with the COVID situation the Delta strain stuff that's going on. And certainly um, I'm sure at this point, everyone around the world is uh, dealing with it in one way or another. I've even seen some mask mandates and stuff coming in, um, in some places in the U S as well. So it's certainly making its presence known um, everywhere now. And um, we're, we're not immune to that at the moment. And certainly the AFL season is uh, having to remain as agile as ever, as we try to keep this thing rolling while, um, you know, States haven't snapped lockdowns and, that's what happened on Saturday. Um, sitting at, <laughs> I was sitting at work on Saturday, and I just, I just um, worked out to get off early on Sunday so I could get home because originally it was going to be a two forty start time on Sunday afternoon um, here in South Australia. So I was going to get off uh, work a little bit earlier than usual and get home to watch it. So you know, I got that sorted. I was really happy, and then I get on, get on Twitter and it's like, oh, Queensland's gonna got a couple of cases. Not looking good. They're going into a snap lockdown from 4 p.m. 
this afternoon, uh, that being Saturday at the time, and it was just like, oh, well, fuck. Um, seeing that, you know, the, you knew the next logical step was, well, the AFL was going to have to can can any games in Queensland. So as we found out shortly afterwards, yes, the AFL had indeed, indeed postponed. And I guess your immediate response to that was thinking, oh, fuck, they're going to have to make it up another week. But I guess the official line was the AFL was these games are being postponed, but they... What was really great about how they handled it was they um, made an effort to work out. Um, they they went straight into contingency plan mode, and tried to find a way to get the games played that very weekend um, and the next day, being Sunday. Luckily for us, our game was already met, um, scheduled for Sunday, so it didn't it didn't play havoc too much with our plans. Um, it just meant that um, fortuitously, actually, we didn't have to travel at all when it was um, originally intended that we would be traveling up to Queensland on the day the morning of the game and then heading back to SA after that. Uh, so, um, yeah, officially postponed on the Saturday, but then, um, as we we know now, um, the AFL went back, went into the busy bee mode and made um, a bit of a little mini festival of footy end up on Sunday. So the other couple of games, um, I think Melbourne Essendon, uh, sorry Sydney, Essendon and Melbourne um, Gold Coast, uh, I think were the other two games that had to get moved. Um, they were actually meant to be played on Saturday. They got moved to Sunday and they had to all t- turn around, fly back or fly back, uh, fly down there to Melbourne and um, join us for a bit of bit of footy in Melbourne on the Sunday. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just showing how, how flexible you just have to be. You both as, you know, obviously the clubs themselves move, moving forward with this stuff, but um, us as fans just have to – it's just it's amazing how used to it I am now. I just went, oh, okay, so the game's, game time shifted. Um, thankfully, I still got off of work early enough to come, come home and deal with a, a leaking tank in my backyard as well as, and then be able to watch the footy as well. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going on even just before the match, and um, it's something to remember uh, with how Port Adelaide have dealt with the last few weeks. Um, how uh, you know the theme of last year um, was kind of that we just you know it didn't matter where didn't matter where uh, where it happened what time uh, what team we were playing we'd get there and take the same attitude into the game and um, uh, you know with a positivity not not complaining just dealing with it like everyone else has to and uh, and it seems to be that the, the there's a bit of um, resilience that's in this group the group that's continued from last year into this year in how they deal with um, these last minute changes and you know, venue changes and whatnot. And like I said, it worked out fortuitously for us this time, unlike, you know, Bokey's 300th where we um, thought we were going to be at Adelaide Oval and yet they ended up having to fly out a few days before. Um, luckily for this one, we were already in Melbourne and, um, you know, I feel for Queenslanders and everyone that's having to deal with lockdowns at the moment. But for us, it worked in the, in the sense that GWS, were at, we were just in the place where it was best for a game to take place. We were already there, so GWS came down and joined us there and um, there was no day of travel uh, required for our boys, at least pre-game. So that was really good um, in that sense. And But still, you know, they would have been, you know, planning for the Gold Coast kind of track and and whatnot. But um, certainly, you know, Marvel, we've gotten to know pretty well. That's like three, three, out of, three weeks in a row now and three out of uh, four out of the last five weeks, I think, we've played at Marvel um, with the win over Hawthorne and then St Kilda Collingwood and now GWS um, with just that one match against Melbourne in between there. <laughs> At Adelaide Oval, so Marvel's been more home for us than any anywhere, um, it, including Adelaide, um, since since uh, a month and a half ago, really. So um, we've gotten to know it well. Um, not that it's uh, not that it's actually treating everyone incredibly well. Uh, There's incredible, uh, quite humorous audio from Charlie Dixon um, last week on Five Double I believe it was. I'll play it, I'll play it here, and you can hear what he kind of has to say about the track, and it's a, it's him chatting with Warren Treadray as well. 
um, chatting about like playing on that track at Marvel. Um, also, to saw you limping late in the game. Anything to be concerned about, or is that just the the old man now that you're a veteran? <laughs> oh, <it's> like uh, <laughs> you know, two three games at Eddie had in uh, in that sort of couple of weeks uh, space. You know, it's it's a hard deck, and yeah, I'm, I'm getting. I actually felt really. Uh, took me a long time to get warmed up before that game. I was I was sort of warming up in the second warm up, and and Bass comes up. Nathan Bassett comes up to me and he goes, oh, how you going, mate? I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a bit shit. And he goes, yeah, I'm not going to lie. You look pretty crap, to be honest. <laughs> like, so so you like, find oh, that. Right. I found that in my career, playing at, well, it was Telstra Dome, it was, now it's Marvel. Playing at Docklands, you pull up worse for probably three or four days. It's almost like you've been running on the car park. Do you find that? Yeah, 100%. You know, like it's, it's a heavy, de- heavy, hard deck. It's amazing to hear that stuff from Charlie. Um, and uh, it's something we've all known. I remember back when, you know, I was only 12 or 13 when Eddie had a Colonial Stadium. It was a doc. It was it even, I think Colonial was its first um, um, sponsorship iteration as a stadium name. I think it was Docklands and then it was, but it was Colonial Stadium when it opened up. Um, you know, and you heard there was a lot of controversy um, when it first opened up about what it was doing to players. Players weren't happy with the deck and all that. And I guess it's still a thing um, that it's a it's a harder deck. And you know, when you hear that, you know, hear Treadray talk about his time as a player, as a as a big forward, how it's done, what it's done to him, and you know, the three or four days to pull up afterwards um, just to get that soreness out of your body. And and Charlie seems to be anyway. We we saw it. So that interview was. Um, about the after the Collingwood game, but then when now we're um, talking about um, GWS and we again saw Charlie looking like he couldn't fucking walk. Um, I think in the first or second quarter, it was after he, he kicked two goals at that point. I think it was it was either in the first quarter or somewhere in the second quarter. And I was thinking, fuck, he's gonna, he's finally going to need to be subbed off. But then he seems to find it. So whether it's just there's just um, he's probably he gets beaten like it, beaten from pillar to post as we I've mentioned plenty of times before and. Um, and uh, and so he's uh, you know just pulling up sore from his games and whether some I don't know what he, he's got that knee strapped up and he does pull up pretty lame at times just um, really limping and and I'm not exactly sure um, what to think of that sometimes because I'm like do, do, does he need a, a week or two out just to get it right I'm not sure but then then he he pulls up you know a quarter later he's he's flying along again at least flying as much as Charlie Dixon flies. Um, and and he ends up with a bag of four and um, and plays his role really well. So um, again, you know, Charlie was great, but it's just interesting hearing that about the deck and and what we're seeing from Charlie the last few weeks with some pretty heavy limps at times. Um, but uh, you know, we got got the job done. So um, it's a hard deck and it's home, but uh, it's been home for the last few weeks. But we're getting the job done there either way. But um, yeah, I guess um, I should mention Charlie was. Uh, really good again. He's he's got himself quietly up to forty-one goals in the season. Which um, when you look at the Coleman leader, he's not you know he's not in the top echelon of the Coleman leaderboard. But we look at um, who's at the top, and it's um, Harry, Harry Mackay and uh, fifty-seven goals. I think Taylor Walker's back a bit, um, and then a few others. But you know Dixon's you know forty-one goals in the year. Uh, I know at the start of the year everyone was starting to bang on about is someone going to kick a hundred because everyone was getting excited about the forwards getting getting some getting some eats earlier in the year. But um, it's certainly um, self-adjusted itself to be somewhat the footy that we know and um, we've just known for the last five, ten years in the AFL and forwards aren't going to be kicking those bags. But, you know, Dixon, I think I read that he um, had 11 goals, sorry, 18 goals in his first 11 games and he's got, got 23 in the last eight and there's been bags of four 
in the last uh, uh, three bags of four in the last four or five weeks. So he's getting amongst the goals. And the important thing is, um, particularly in this game, we look at um, Dixon getting amongst goals, but then you got Laddams uh, pulling all sorts of tricks out the bag and um, just, uh, you know, not, not, not that it turned and bounced as much as that Montfrey's miracle one from the 2013 showdown did, but um, he still got a little... Little off break there and um, and hooked in for a goal and he kicked another couple of special ones as well. So Laddams get, gets in there three. Georgiades gets in with a couple and again just such a reliable kick. Um, and Marshall pops up with one. So it's what um, you know ten goals between the uh, the tools as well as a spread of um, five other goal kickers amongst um, five other singles there to make up our fifteen goals and we hit the ton for the night and um, just you know things are things are starting to hum along nicely that forward line. It's still going to be interesting to see how we go since we're, we're hearing the news today that Robbie Gray looks like he's putting his hand up for the showdown. We'll get to showdown stuff later in the week. But um, just on this game, you look at it and you start you start seeing the forward line working reasonably well. Um, you get the, you got the class of like, um, you know, uh, Amon, uh, Amon just had a great game again. Perfect, perfect in coaches' votes. He got the 10 coaches' votes. Dixon got seven and then a, a spread of a few others there. I think Ollie ended up with six still. Uh, six uh, coaches' votes um, to uh, show for his 28 disposal to performance. Um, but, you know, you, there's just – you're starting to see the signs of the, the what was missing um, in our side with these guys that were out, um, it, that little bit of class that some of these guys are bringing back into the game. Um, you know, Fantasia was quiet, but they built into the game later. Uh, when the game got going a little bit more in the third and fourth quarter, Fantasia suddenly found himself – Bit more around the ball, uh, missed one shot, but then he snapped a really good goal, and it's just exactly why you got the, get the, get the classy guys like Fantasia in there because they're the ones that can crumb those ones and kick those goals. And then um, Dersma, um, after missing one, kicked a really good one uh, later on, um, and then Butters just that uh, well, probably the one of my favourite passages of the play for the entire game was that, um, and it probably would have been my play of the day um, later on in the podcast if there wasn't another one that I just I loved. So I'll get to that, but. Um, it was the end-to-end goal where um, Aaliyah kind of burst out of the defense carrying the ball, um, got, got along the wing, I think. I don't know if there's anyone between Aaliyah and Boak, but then Boak was able to quickly move it along forward and kick it onto um, an on-running on Butters, and Butters just his silky hands, how quick he is with his hands and able to size up the options. Just real, a real classy finish from a decent angle, but just the perfect weight and um, deft touch on the ball to get, that, get a goal. And... Again, Butters, as the stuff you miss when Butters is out, is that kind of stuff. He, you know, he get, he get, I think he had 22 disposals for the night. Um, and he, and he, again, Butters was another one that as the game grew, um, he grew into it with with the game as well. And he just had a, a great game. You're starting to see um, after, you know, it's his second game back now, after the, um, the second <laughs> the second comeback. And you can really see that he's got that... Um, are getting a bit more touch about his game and a bit more feel for the for the AF, the pace of the AFL game again because you've got to learn that again. Um, your body's got to get used to that again, um, and he's he's got that feel for it again. And um, Dersma looked at E again. Dersma was one that kind of got into the game more as the game went on. Um, and Rosie, man, that run, that gut running through the midfield and just that pace through the midfield and clean clean pickup and clean movement through the midfield. A couple of bounces he did that a couple of times. And really broke the lines of the uh, GWS midfield at times, and that we were get, starting to get a little bit overrun in the midfield by um, some of the smooth movers like Hopper and um, Ke- um, and Ke- Kelly in the um, in the GWS midfield. So um, we needed that kind of stuff, that little bit of class, and you know it's still not perfect, but you can start you're starting to see the side that we can be in the finals 
with these kind of performances from these guys coming back and they're still growing back into their um, uh, into their form after such long layoffs. So a lot of good signs from that kind of stuff and that's what you really want to want to start seeing a little bit of, um, you know, is that kind of... And that's what exactly... In a tough game as well against a tough opposition, it wasn't like we are going up against um, one of the bottom sides. It was a real tough battle and GWS had a lot on the line in this one as well. So it's a perfect kind of test for those guys coming back through. All right, so the match was one that we uh, started quite well. Um, well, you know, they, they got the first goal of the game, which is almost customary for a poor, poor game at this point. But um, as the first quarter went on, we really got kind of got a handle on the game and, and, and got out to a comfortable lead. And it just felt, it actually felt like um, we were, and we were really controlling the footy um, and doing a lot of, um, just a lot of good stuff. And just a really, it didn't seem like GWS had an answer at that point, but it felt like um, we let them back. I don't know. They would have, they would have had a, a bit of a spray, I'm sure. And, Fired themselves up and and gotten themselves onto um, a bit better a bit better of a kill going into the second and third quarter, but again it just felt like, and maybe I think this is just um, in hindsight it's just me as a as a fan you get you get worried and anxious when these things are going because we've seen so much times over the years um, how Port Adelaide teams when they've had a game on, on their terms and they've just let it get let it get back because of whether it's um, letting up with the um, you know, letting up with the with the pressure, or just a slight a slight letting off of the pressure, really, and it doesn't take much. It's a game of mar- fine margins in that sense. So, um, and again, it felt like we didn't quite take much enough advantage of our um, dominance on the inside fifties. I think for the we look at for the match, we were um, sixty five inside fifties to forty five. Um, so we were well above our, tw- our twenty and twenty one average is fifty three and a half inside fifties, uh, whereas um, GWS is forty nine and a half. So we actually held them below. Uh, while um, having a, a, a real high for ourselves um, with six, 65 inside 50s. But then we go down to look at the marks inside 50 for the match. Um, GWS had 11 and we had 10. Um, so they, they were above, a couple of marks above their average. Um, we were a couple below. But considering the inside 50 differential, it's, it's, a, real <laughs> it's a real worry. Um, and overall, the match, we had 23 more marks. But the inside 50 marks are really um, the key where GWS were really able to get themselves... Back in the matches, just so they were so much cleaner. Sometimes going inside fifty, and we were able to. And they, um, they really our structure broke down a lot in those, those second and third quarters. In particular, we were really just struggling to, um, especially when they were getting the re- their rebound um, off of their defensive fifty, and 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 as well as just setting up across and getting a bit more control of the footy there for a while. Um, we still couldn't get a defensive structure right to stop um, the easy marks, and sometimes they'd get, take a mark and then be able to get another kick off to someone else. Someone else. Um, unmanned inside the 50 and um, we were really lucky that it didn't quite, you know, they did get themselves back ahead for a sneaky minute but um, beyond that, um, we're quite lucky in the sense of how um, probably the fact that we just didn't let them get the enough inside 50s to make that count um, compared to our own but those are the things to still to work on because it has been um, a popular theme of probably the last four or five years of Port fans, um, you know, looking at what Port uh, aren't doing, and that's still sometimes finding that ins- that smoothness uh, going inside fifty. Um, and there was a couple of t- and look, I will say there was a couple of drop marks from uh, you know Marshall to, um, earlier in the game. You know he grew into it and, and certainly um, found found the ball a bit later and took a few good marks. But earlier in the game, there was a couple where he had two hands on it and they just dropped out. And I think Laddams had one as well. So you know that very quickly you know gets the marks inside 50 back on terms at least for us but you know you still look at that inside 50 domination overall through the game 
uh, as well as the marks overall. Um, you'd, you'd expect to be a bit more up on the marks inside 50, but again, that's just something that we need to keep finding way to work on. Uh, not that I could, I've got any suggestions apart from just uh, be better. <laughs> but um, yeah, you look at those kind of things and uh, and see kind of where it's it's still not quite right there. Um, you know, uh, overall across the match, a lot of statistical. Um, you know, markers we were we were going well, and you know, hit outs um, a lot lice in a big battle against Mummy, and that was quite the quite the grueling battle in the in the Rocky one at thirty six to twenty four. Um, obviously there was a few others in there, but overall um, a good win, and we won the clearances, and and certainly across the across the match, um, a lot of the basically a lot of the stats apart from the handballs that I can really see, we were uh, and and uh, in, in efficiency inside fifty, which is obvious from the marks the marks one really. Um, you know, we were we were on top of them, so it was a lot of good, a lot of good there. There's just those few areas, as per usual, that you just we just need to work on. And it certainly, our disposal efficiency, when the pressure's on a little bit, got a little bit uh, blustery as well. You know, it's just um, the hand. You know, Power Pepper went to hand and had the ball, and I can't remember who was running past him. If it was Houston or someone, I can't remember. Someone was running past the handball, and it was like. He took a second to think about it, then did the handball, and by then it's too late, and he gets caught holding the ball and and stuff like that. It's just decision making in those crucial moments, and it just lets the pressure off, and so often it sends it back the other way as well. And just those little things um, are still just the things that are bugging. Probably the biggest bugbear for me. Um, the inside, a lot of the thing, the other ones are ones that we're actually going to win the game more comfortably. Like even with those uh, inside fifty marks stuff and all that. Like if we're not doing the the stupid disposal, like the Real brain farts and all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of those other things will fix themselves a little bit, but it's just, um, yeah, the decision making at times. Um, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure if I watched another team like I do Port, then you'd you'd see that. But it's you always, you know, you're critical of your own team because you see it more because you care about it. So, um, it is just one of those things that I've just. It just feels like it's um, every time the game's going a little bit against us. Um, we get a little bit rushed and and, and, and our disposal efficiency and our, and our cleanness just drops right off. Um, and so we just got to find a way to... But, you know, we battled back and, and got control of the match back in the last quarter and ended up winning by um, 27 points, which is a nice, comfortable win in our away game against a, a decently quality side. So you can't be too hard on them. Um, GWS are always going to come and put the pressure on and they've got some elite players in that midfield and um, at both ends of the field as well. So... Um, you know, take the good with the bad. Um, to certainly take the test that they provide, and and, and that really um, we come out in the end with a pretty good win, and a, and like one that um, is starting to make. You know, you, we had a lot of doubters this year, and we still do. There's a few of them that are just starting to say, "Oh, Port, you know, these players that are coming back, and you know, there's a few classy moves in that game, and you know, you just got to watch out for them again." So that's a it's a good thing. I don't mind being under the radar a little bit, but it's good to see some people are just saying, just starting to say a little bit more positive about us again, rather than. The constant uh, bullshit as well. So um, yeah, there's a lot of you know a lot of things to work on still, but um, plenty of positives. Alrighty, I mentioned earlier about my player of the day for this one, and often my player of the day will end up being one of the ones that uh, the Port Adelaide socials like will put up as their player of the day or their goal of the day. But it wasn't this week. Um, it's mine is one from um, late in the third quarter. Uh, I think we all know the one I'm talking about. It's just one of those ones because I love the ones that uh, just show. The little signs of how switched on our team is, even though during you know the hard times of these quarters, sometimes you get a little bit, you know, in the moment you're stuck on what the fuck are you guys doing? But um, this little one, and certainly Ollie Wines is having a great year, so there's no no need to question his how just how switched on he is. But um, 
<laughs> particularly for me, and like this is obviously, as you know, we'll play it first. Um, and I've just got it paused at where Himmelberg's just lying, just walking back with it, and we'll listen to the sound because you can hear the umpires talk about um, asking him to move it on and all that stuff. And watching it in um, real time, he took plenty of time. So there's no questions to me that this was a fair adjudication of it, whether the umpire should have said five seconds. But I, I just think when you get 15-second warning and that's all I ever hear, and then you can the, the clocks are on the board. At some point, the players have got to do what they've got to do. We've been through this before, so... Um, no sympathy, really, but we'll, we'll play it and watch it, and um, we'll listen to it on the podcast and and, and enjoy it again. Either, not in terms of his intercept game, no. which has been so strong this year. Yeah, he's defended him well, yeah. but he's been yeah. more of a shutdown yeah. performance, hasn't he? So Himmelberger probably hasn't kicked as many goals as oh. oh, that was a massive shock to him. But his time expired, obviously. Is there warnings on the expiry? So there we go. It's um, it's a real, you know, there's no, the, not the highlight goal or anything afterwards. Or, but um, for me, that's just a, that's just a standout highlight moment of the game because that's um, wines taking the chat like um, and the, the the way the camera the camera was perfectly um, it's just so perfectly placed uh, where they had the um, where the director of the game day you know um, production um, was you know it was just kind of lined up on the player face fronting, but just the way the wines was lined up right behind. Just prowling, and he, he was looking at the umpire. He's like, "When can I go? When can I go?" And it's play on. Um, and just before that, there, there was a 15-second warning, really clearly done. Himmelberg twice um, marked out his. Now there was there is the there is the case that uh, I think because he got moved across to where he's actually kicking from, but you don't actually get the clock back from that point. Like I think they, they'd already started, and then he was walking back the wrong way, possibly. So I don't know. Um, Either way, he was given. He had plenty of time, and all you've got to do is start your walk in. It's not like you have to actually kick it on the thirty. You just have to just have started walking in, and he was still taking every second he could. Um, whether he was trying, I reckon he was half trying to get it down to the siren. I'm not exactly sure, but um, Wines was well prepared, well prepared, and um, and got the tackle in there as soon as he could. And that's just um, saved a potential goal. You know, there's no chance, no guarantee he kicks the goal, but. Um, it was a decent opportunity for GWS, and um, it would have gone. We would have gone in uh, only one point up at three quarter time, rather than seven points up. So, um, great, uh, just great awareness of the game and 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 hunt for the game and instinct for getting the job done and doing the hard work. Um, Wines was right there, ready to make the big tackle and um, and ma- maintain our just just over a goal lead going into three quarter time. Um, and like I said, that just gives me a lot of hope in where Port Adelaide are at this this year. Switched on to every moment to every. Uh, you know, like I said, the th- second and third quarters, it was pretty stressful at times. Um, but uh, when you see the little things like that, um, you just really get uh, really get a good feel for where we're going and what we're doing and um, and just how – and wine certainly having a great year. And that kind of moment um, could be, you know, worth one of those Brownlow vote ticks um, on, the, on, the, on the notepad for the umpires as well. I think Carl Amon probably is definitely going to get three votes out of that game. But who knows? Like I've said this before. Um, coaches' votes and what we see and who na- who's named best player in the paper doesn't gen- doesn't necessarily always mean the three Brownlow votes, unless it's an outstanding performance. Now I think Amon was outstanding on the night, um, and I'll make a quick mention about him now because he was he was um, right in amongst it. And he was he's just such, he's such a silky smooth clean operator. Um, you know, if, if F1 fans will know, like Carlos Sainz singing smooth operator as he's driving around the field, and I just driving around the field, driving around the track, and I can just imagine Carl Amon just singing that to himself as he's as he's trucking along through, because um, he's just he's just so clean, so silky, and so smooth, and he's just and again another great game 
30 plus at 31 disposals. So almost, uh, I think his career high is 34 um, this year as well. And he's just he's just having an outstanding breakout year. Um, and we know he he had a good year last year, and we a lot of us stood up and noticed that last year after he you know he he was on the he was on the periphery. Um, a couple of years ago, but this year he just stepped it up again, and um, particularly with our midfield needing a bit of help, um, and just uh, you know, with with what we've lost over, like he's really um, kind of patched over those guys like the Butters and Rosies, and I'm talking about being glad that they're back. He's patched over that those losses over a lot of those weeks with, with him doing some of those things that we we want out of the Butters and Rosies. So. Now that they're back and they're able to do their, th- their a bit of the, what they're doing, it's it's allowed Amon to do you know to do to help out in other ways on the field, and he really really had one of those games on Sunday night that he was able to do that kind of stuff. So we're incredibly blessed to have a guy, you know, the draft picks we've got, like, you know, and that have come through like the the big trio from twenty nineteen and uh, or twenty eighteen, and then um, and then the, even the Georgiades and Bergman again. Uh, Bergman had. Probably uh, tailed out of the game a little bit, but it certainly started hot and was really in amongst it. And he's just growing every game. And there was there was one particular moment um, where he made a real defensive fifty uh, contribution, um, and then you know the move, ball pretty quickly moves up to the the forward fifty, and Bergman was again up there making his presence known. Um, you know, on the on the other on the other opposite side of the field, uh, pretty soon after he'd made an impact in the defensive end, or it could have been vice versa. It might have been he was down the forward fifty, and then it moved quickly. Transition to it down to our defense. Either way, um, his his work rate and um, his impact on the field is really good. But uh, yeah, with all of these guys that have come through in the last uh, couple of years, it is it is great to see Amon, um, you know, who's who's been around a bit longer, um, really breaking out now as well. And it shows that I've said it before: not uh, careers aren't linear. Um, some people can burst onto the scene and maintain that. Some some guys just take a bit longer to get to find their find their rhythm. And Amon certainly. Um, found his rhythm and, and to some degree as well. It's a, it's a truly amazing the kind of player he's turning into. Um, Carl A. Amon, he's he's God. I'll be I'll be fucking pissed if he's not in Australian this year. I'll put it that way. So um, yeah, he's in a great game from him. And uh, Willem Drew uh, again. He's just another one that he seems to have grown in. Like he's he's doing a bit more. Uh, he's doing a lot of the grunt work still, but um, yeah, he's he got a cop the fine. Um, which I don't, I can't remember what. I can't even remember the incident, but he's copped a fine for the something on the weekend uh, against rough conduct against someone, uh, Lockie Woodfield, I think maybe a, a dangerous tackle, maybe I can't remember. Um, he's he's just he's kind of he, he's you can see he's, he, the confidence he has in his role in the team. I think is really there now. Um, whether it's been helped, whether just the fact that he's been needed, and like his position never came under threat because we didn't have. We were losing players rather than we were gaining them early in the season, and that, that that's probably helped him gain so much confidence in his game. And now he's he's you know at this point he's undroppable. He's just playing such good footy and doing a lot of dirty work that again has allowed Wines to kind of grow into the uh, go take the next step this year as well. So just a lot of these young guys and the guys that have been around for a few years really um, taking that next step this year, and that's really great. Particularly when we've we have lost some of those real stars at times this year, so. It's just a lot of good signs out of this game. Um, so it's a one worth going back to rewatch if you have the chance just to see those little bits of class in those moments um, from those guys that have been missing for a while because you, you you just see kind of what we've been missing and the fact that we've actually been able to maintain getting the wins still um, beyond those top, top uh, you know, the Melbournes and Geelongs, unfortunately. Um, but the fact we've been getting all the other wins, it means that we're going to be a good chance of um, playing and again maybe right in the you know right in those wrongs 
at the right end of the season in the finals, um, hopefully with a top four appearance. So, yeah, it's um, and particularly probably just as a note to finish off on, um, you look at how woeful Brisbane's been over the last few weeks and they've lost a few players and their players struggling with injury and how quickly they've dropped off with just losing a couple. And, and that's, I'm not trying to knock Brisbane because Brisbane at their best are inc- uh, were, were an incredible side this year and uh, whether we get to see that again this year will depend on how they can find a way to get through this malaise that they're in at the moment with the losing Hitwood for the year and obviously they lost Rain out at the start of the year so he wasn't even a factor in some of the big wins this year but um and then Lockie Newell doesn't seem to be quite carrying along the way he'd want to and uh, you know they haven't we our injury crisis at one point like especially that St Kilda game with how many guys were out at that point was an incredibly long list of um, injuries to a lot of big players. And we're, we're, not, we're still forgetting that we're not, not even counting the fact that Tom Rockliffe is still out um, and hasn't even been a factor and the, the kind of caliber player he is and the impact he can have. And he only had only just last year. Um, it's it's something to, after all the criticism we have put on Port Adelaide, and that's, we do demand a certain level of success. So we do, we are hard on our team, but it is also good to remember when you see other teams like Brisbane really fallen off over the last few weeks with a few injury niggles and, um, that it can happen very easily and the fact that we maintained some form uh, and kept on banking the wins to be in this position at this point of the season. Through all that and then now we're getting some of these guys back and knock on wood that we keep getting them back. Um, you know, it's, it's something to really be proud of uh, of how we've uh, managed our way through this season with all the all the um, issues we've had, um, the amount of surgeries and all that stuff. Um, it, it is really something to be um, proud of and, and hang your hat on. So... Yeah, but um, yeah, as far as this one goes, um, it was a great win. Um, really happy with this one. I was, it was, <laughs> I was getting pretty um, stressed there for a while um, in the middle middle part of the game, and it just it, and at one point in the game that genuinely I think I tweeted out from the account. I said they're they're hungrier, they're quicker, they're cleaner, and at that point of the game they were. Um, there's no, uh, we just were getting a little bit overrun, but we were holding sway, and that's um, in hindsight you look back and go we were just. Um, we're taking every punch they could, and when that last quarter came, the class showed, and we um, we ran the we ran the game out comfortably, and they just couldn't go with us. And that's um, that's something to be proud of as well, because um, you want a game it seemed to be able to play four quarters, um, and even though if we we were getting overrun there in the middle of a bit, um, it's how the game ends and and what the scoreline is at the once that full time siren goes, and we were comfortably ahead. So that's that's the main thing. Um, like I said, things to work on, but a lot to be happy about and a lot of things to be excited about as we move forward. So, can the pair. Now it's fucking showdown week. Let's get excited.